Hello, Looney listeners. You're listening to episode 16 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Connor. And this week, we are jam-packed with news and heading right back to the start of Moon Knight with Werewolf by Night issue 32 and 33 in the historical retrospective. So sit back, grab out your issues, and get your concho on. Welcome back, Loonies. Thanks for joining us uh, yet again after our epic episode last week, which um, saw us go through Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs' first comic uh, issue run of 188. Connor, how are you? I am doing rather well. We are recording a little later than usual on a Saturday night, but I am still more than pumped for this episode. <laughs> Me too as well. We've actually got... Um, before we get into Moon Knight, this is actually a bit of a an important week for all comic book mm. fans and comic film fans alike. We have uh, the Justice League of America movie out this week, um, just passed, uh, and we also have the premiere of Netflix The Punisher show. So there's plenty to catch up on um, on the on the small screen and big screen. Um, Connor, have you caught up with uh, the JLA film yet, or? Yeah, I watched, um, well, I watched 40 minutes of the Justice League before I had to exit the cinema because we got our times wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> no, what that one was... there? Uh, we thought, like, <laughs> it went for the the old time of, like, two hours, 50 minutes instead of the two hours it was. So we were like, oh, we're going to have to leave this cinema early anyway, so we might as well leave now and left, like, 40 minutes into uh-huh. it. Uh, um, I know it's... Uh, it's going to sound pretty, like, fanboy to n- not so much, like, hate on DC, but do so, like, kind of do so on a Marvel podcast. But seriously, I'm a lover of all comics, but <laughs> Justice League just didn't quite do it for me. It didn't um, sort of have what I wanted out of the film compared to what I loved about Wonder Woman. And I know there are a lot of people who love it uh, as much as I loved Wonder Woman. That's really good. But, um, yeah, when it comes to this particular superhero movie, it definitely wasn't for me. Oh, okay. It, um, yeah, I, I've yet to see it, and, and I'm kind of dodging all kind of comments and and spoilers and discussions on it online, so I, I'm kind of really um, laying low for that. But interesting to hear. I um, uh, Yeah, I... I um, well, <laughs> having said that, I have actually seen a few comments as well. But um, <laughs> I've, I mean, I've, but I've read that the people are genu- genuinely... Were generally okay with it. Um, uh, was it something in pa- like in particular, Connor, that really fell flat for you, or, or was it um, something that you wanted to see that that didn't turn up? Or um, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I admittedly did leave the movie forty minutes into it, yeah. so it's hard to make a full comment. But it was it was very kind of set up-y for like a, a, uh-huh. a big movie, and it just kind of didn't sit right. Um, it definitely seemed like possibly caught between the direction of two different filmmakers, you know, the, uh, the, the sad occurrences that led Snyder to leaving and Joss Whedon having yes. to reshoot some, some of it, uh, that kind of felt, felt some of it was a bit awkward in places. And I mean, it, it did seem like the movie was getting better as I had to leave, but yeah, that opening yeah. was a bit too exposition heavy, I think for 
I mean, and, and I mean, saying that, like, a lot of these team films haven't for me. Like, I, I, I'll go on the record to say I'm not even that big a Avengers fan. Like, that first movie mm-hmm. f- f- oh, falls a bit flat for me. So I suppose maybe I, I prefer the s- possibly the smaller scale or the more focused than the big um, bravos of the uh, of of the team films. But yeah, you d- you definitely can't get much grander than say an Avengers film or a JLA, a JLA. I think that's kind of yeah the um the tentpole of all, of all kind of comic film um you know films or TV shows so yeah it, it is um I can imagine the scale is going to be huge which kind of makes me wonder how the Infinity War will be um when it comes out finally from Marvel or the yeah, MCU yeah like 20 heroes <laughs> Yeah, I mean they kind of proved it with um, Civil War that That's true, the actually. Russo brothers. I did enjoy that, yeah. Mm, they definitely can handle and juggle a, a large cast. Um, did you did you feel any or did you sense of any Whedon's um, stamp on the movie that, that that you saw? I think some of the humor was, was more his. Yeah, mm, like with okay. the uh, Flash and just a few of the other quips hanging around. Mm, yeah, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to kind of seeing that. Yeah, I'm interested to hear I your take soon. Mm, I mean, I'm I'm a, um, unfortunately, and it's not because I, I hate it or anything like that, but I, I'm just not a, a DC fan. I haven't haven't cracked into that universe, so um, uh, I'm still interested in it. And I did really enjoy Wonder Woman. Uh, so um, yeah, that's my only kind of hesitation. Because it ha- it has actually happened with other DC movies. Uh, you go in and you're kind of yeah, you're kind of disappointed at um, I guess how uninspiring it can be. It, it, for me, uh, stuff like I don't know the Suicide Squad, which I kind of got excited for, to me it was a, a it was a disappointment because it kind of um, was run of the mill. It was it was to me it was a little formulaic and it didn't didn't add anything. Whereas um, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Let, let's not start a, a Marvel or DC yeah. or anything like that. But um, just saying, like with at least Marvel, they they do try different things, um, and you see that with the different styles of films that they come up with with each of their Marvel films. So um, even if if it's, it may be hit or miss, you know, but um, at least they do try something different. And so that's my only hesitation to to actually get excited about JLA and then and then go into it and be thinking to myself while I watch it, oh gosh, this is very formulaic but uh, I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman and, and Batman as well um, so uh, yeah yeah we'll see I'll, I'll let you know once I see it for sure <laughs> uh, second uh, we have obviously uh, another big one uh, but it's on the small screen so uh, we're recording on Saturday and it dropped on Friday the 17th it was uh, Netflix's The Punisher series Connor so what were your overall impressions with uh, this series so I have watched about uh, three episodes as has uh, Ray um, Rebecca's smashing through it um, yeah and hopefully she's when up to she... 10 I think yeah and hopefully when she joins us next week we'll hopefully maybe have seen it all or at least have someone who has for um bigger overall impressions but i am really liking it um it's really well acted uh great cinematography great writing um i really like that first episode it was a fun little one shot with the story really in episodes 2 and 3 probably my only complaint and it's such a weird sort of show that my opinions are are, are positive but still <laughs> sort of yeah in a weird space because I like it as a show, but at the same time, it doesn't feel 
Punisher-y enough. Like, uh, it, it's yeah. a good change of pace for Netflix to sort of separate itself and sort of slow it down from the big defenders and all that. But I think it, it kind of feels a lot more classic spy thriller. And yeah. I mean, there, there's some great Punisher moments in it so far, but I'm hoping we see more of that because I mean, the reason why it's the top of my queue right now is it's it is because it's the Punisher. Like if I'd seen the description yeah. without the Punisher tag on Netflix, I wouldn't be so jumping onto it. I mean, I'd still enjoy it even without the Punisher tagline, but I'm like, just yeah. when it comes to your expectations for the show, it's definitely a different sort of show for Netflix, which I, I feel is what they need. I can see why it's taken this particular route. Yeah, it's a very it's a very fine line, and and I think you you um, what you're saying is I mean I I share exactly the same as well. Like with the title The Punisher, there is that expectation of okay, well let's see very Punishery things, you know. And uh, but on the flip side, as you say, Netflix are taking it on a weird angle and and really really grounding it um, and, and kind of making him a, a real a real three dimensional character. So uh, I guess yeah, you you, you do get. Um, and you do get some of the Punisher moments, which, funnily enough, I actually thought, um, Connor, you know, the introduction to, to episode one, uh, I, I was actually, uh, although it was kind of fun, I was thinking, oh, gosh, uh, I hope it's not all going to be like this, because <laughs> yeah. uh, it kind of reminded me a bit of Punisher Warzone, the movie, <laughs> and how that was really just over the top, you know, just killing, killing, and uh, and it, it really didn't have much depth to it. So I'm glad that that happened um, in this episode right at the beginning, and then that was it, and then you see him six months later. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it as well. Um, season yeah, episode one, I thought was really good. I I, I posted up something on um, the Defenders TV podcast uh, in their thread. There, I thought the the script or the writing in the first episode was um, a little clunky at parts. Um, uh, uh, sometimes, I guess, when the writing, I don't know, for me, doesn't really work, um, you can actually you end up just watching. Uh, consciously watching actors just recite their lines if you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and a good actor will will make it sound so fluent and natural if it's a good script as well but if it's a like if it's a clunky script then you can kind of tell that they're just trying to deliver the lines and I felt that in some places in in episode one um, in particular um, the uh, that director of the homeland security I thought he was a <laughs> He was bordering a little bit on Hammy, but yeah. Um, but yeah, just the way that he came across was. But I do like um, I do like all the other supporting cast as well, and John Jonathan Bernthal is is still awesome Amazing. as a Punisher. Uh, he's just fantastic, and so I like the way that he he's uh, taking the role, and uh, yeah, like I, I'm exactly up where you are, Connor, as well, just by pure coincidence. I'm up to episode three, enjoying Micro. I really like. Um, how he's um he's been kind of um developed as well and the relationship with him and, and the punisher so yeah re- really good um one of the things i was slightly disappointed for was uh the marines um the the flashbacks to it and i was hoping to hear a, a mark specter somewhere but um it wasn't to be and um i think previously on our facebook group we posted a, a picture of the marines and we were all speculating whether this one actual soldier was mark specter but unfortunately i don't think he is connor yeah from what i've from what i've heard and um 
yeah, I mean, that particular Marine, I'm, I'm not even sure we'll ever see him again after that. Yeah. <laughs> Flashback. You know, he's I think, just gone. Yeah, I think, no no spoilers, but I think um, in that episode, uh, I think you see him on, on the ground. I, I don't, don't think he made it. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't oh, notice that, but yeah. I would not be surprised. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as I was saying, from people who've now been out 24 hours, some people have gotten rather near the finish line or finished it. Um. I ha- like no one's. I haven't heard anyone say you know this hero's arrived because we obviously know that some mm. hero will be in it. But by the sounds of it, that's right. Yeah, but by the sounds of it, it does seem like that hero's involvement will be quite minimal. Like if it is Moon Knight, I doubt we'd even get more than an episode's worth, regardless of who it is. If it's someone else. Oh, right. Yeah. It's but it. do you think we'll see? Do you think we'll see someone, or or will it, you reckon it'll be a, a just a mention or a like a, a small Easter egg or something? I feel, I feel, yeah, I feel possibly it might be, um, it might be more of a mention. Yeah. It just, I I don't know. It just seems like, because we did get such a definitive news announcement of a, the hero will be in Punisher, but the lack of actual, you know, news sources that usually come out of the hype of a show like this is just doesn't seem to be anything now a whole 29 hours on from its initial release. Yeah. And, and they definitely said, um, I'm just trying to, uh, remember, but they definitely said a Marvel hero, right? They didn't say a Marvel character, because if they do that, they can get away with uh, Karen Page or, uh, you know, we, we've seen some familiar faces already, like uh, Schoonover as well, the general um, or the commanding officer for Frank. It, it was specifically a Marvel hero, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's how they um, okay. definitely made it sound. Okay. Well, I guess the money's on... You'd still kind of think Daredevil then, wouldn't you, as well? I mean, although, depending on when this is set, Daredevil's um, uh, presumed dead from the Defenders, but um, we don't know when... I'm not sure... Do, do you have a feel for when this falls in timeline-wise with the other, the other shows? Yeah, actually, there's been no mention of it so far. Um, it, I feel like... It could well be... Well, it's, it's six months... It would have been like about six months after uh, he crossed paths with Daredevil uh, in season two, right? Because yeah. Because he, he parts ways with Daredevil and then he goes on his missions and uh, kills the cartels and all that, which he does. And then, then you fast forward six months and he's, um, uh, and he's uh, you know, on the building site. Um, with the Defenders, that happens... Oh gosh, I don't even. Oh, I can't remember. That's too too, too difficult for me, Connor. Yeah, <laughs> gonna, it's definitely. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's definitely the timeline between like Iron Fist and well, Daredevil season two and um Defenders that'll decide yeah. where this and Defenders. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, I mean that's uh, just a small take. Um, so Looney's no uh, no sightings of our our boy Moon Knight yet. But um, those were the two big, uh, big things that came out this week. Uh, all right, okay. Um, let's dive in straight into the news, and we have a few, a fair few articles fair here. A few items. Uh, mm, so I try to put in our notes, try to get them in kind of chronological order. Uh, the first one off the bat, I thought was really cool. Um, uh, after we did our last episode uh, of uh, the panel by panel breakdown of issue 188 of the latest run of Moon Knight, uh, we got a, a response kind of from one Max Bemis. Yeah, this was uh, this was really lovely, and it, it just kind of makes doing this sort of show just feel, feel a little more special. And just seeing the yes. fan response to the episode as well, 
people talking about it in the uh, uh, Facebook group. It's just yeah. all of it's it, just kind of come together to just make you feel good. Yeah. Make you feel good. Get the the warm and fuzzies. Um, so th- thank you so much, Lenny's, for all the kind words. And yeah, we do love doing it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Max Bemis, uh, he says this means. Or this is he was retweeting um, or replying to a, a tweet that we put up, which was basically describing that we're doing a, a panel by panel of the issue. And he goes, uh, this means so much, guys. I don't think I've ever had a piece of art I've been involved with analysed to this extent ever. Uh, and it's hugely flattering and a writer's dream. Thank you. So you can't get any better than that from the writer himself. So um, we're pretty chuffed by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, well, thank you, Max Demas, for putting together such a good comic, along with the amazing oh. creative team as well. Oh, yeah. It's hit the ground running. And um, my gosh, that's only issue one. So we've got all these other issues ahead. Uh, and I think Max Beamer said as well he'd love to do, you know, 40, 50 issues. And if it's anything like this first issue, I hope he does. <laughs> um, the second article, actually, this is an, ex- uh, an interesting one here. I'm not sure if you read this one, Connor. Uh, this article is called Reality Check uh, Moon Knight's 188 Bipolar Bad Guy. And this is pretty cool. Uh, it actually goes into um, basically what bipolar entails, and uh, it actually go, it just it just kind of expands a bit more on on what Beam has touched upon um, with his um, with his patient eighty six in in Moon Knight who had been diagnosed with bipolar. So you know this is just an interesting um, interesting. Uh, little article, just in case you're you're you know you're curious about uh, more about this um, this disorder, uh, also known um, was known as manic depression, uh, and yeah, I think it's a, it's very cleverly written around the the latest issue the latest issue 188. Um, yeah, apart from that, it goes um, it goes on to say that basically what Bemis had mentioned about um, you know having bipolar. Uh, can sometimes produce very creative and artistic um, phases in people. Uh, and uh, uh, the writer cites that the late Carrie Fisher was diagnosed with bipolar as well. And uh, and in the comics, um, as we discussed before, you had the likes of Kurt Cobain, uh, Ernest Hemingway and uh, Beethoven as, as um, people who had bipolar. So, yeah, quite, a, quite an interesting little article there. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's kind of discussion I love seeing about Moon Knight, um, especially with the Lemire run, bringing mental illness to the forefront more than ever. And what this run has done and will continue to do just seems like such a great move when it comes to Moon Knight. And it's glad to see an actual um, psychiatrist here uh, along Avengers Importation, which I think is a fantastic comics website, sort of just getting into the details of it and spreading more information around it and just having... S- a comics property brings something like that to the forefront well and, you know, seeing stuff like this come out that gets it around. So, yeah, great article and just its existence is just great in general, I think. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty cool as well that, like, as you mentioned, Lemire's run was very much based around, you know, the mental, uh, mental realm of Moon Knight. And I do like how Bemis has tackled it by, um, he, he, I mean, in this first issue 188, he totally addresses it still by using Dr. Emmett, you know, as our um, avatar kind of through the, through the, um, the book. But uh, there's just that feel of, um, 
of it being kind of similar to like a Houston run again, you know, with a lot of physicality um, to it. Uh, not necessarily in 188, but we've seen other previews, you know, with Moon Knight um, battling the thugs and all that. So um, he really does, you know, get his hands dirty, which um, I'm looking forward to seeing as well. Heck yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, we have, uh, it was just a small thing, but it was great that Marvel Entertainment, they, um, on Twitter as well, they released a little, um, 30 second promo video on Moon Knight. So just a bit of, uh, just a bit of promo for the, the new Moon Knight series out. And, you know, from er everywhere I hear, Connor, I think it's, um, it's been getting very, very, very positive reviews from everyone. So, um, it's really... Uh, Jake Thomas has um, is, is done another remarkable job pulling a team together like Bemis and Burrows. Um, so yeah, definitely check out the little the little video. It's fun to watch. Um, only about thirty seconds or so. Did you did you manage to catch this as well, Connor? Um, no, I didn't actually. But um, I'll I'll check it out after the episode. But I think it's um, yeah, I th I think it's just echoed sentiments even before the run came out. At just the last few years, and especially the last even six months. I've been very kind to Moon Knight creatively and just sort of the recognition and discussion around. I think Marvel has honestly done quite a great job at including Moon Knight in things like video games, posting up cool reports, seeing articles on them by different writers. Like, the love's always been there, but it just seems like there's a, a bigger effort from Marvel, I think even for all of their characters in the last couple of years, just to, just to eat, take the the lower tiers and just bring them to the forefront and give them the love they deserve. Yeah, there's just um, almost that, that freedom you get because there's not that weight of trying to trying to handle a legacy character correctly. You, you know, you kind of, you know what I mean? Like, um, I guess you have the likes of Full Killer and Hyperion, uh, you know, even like Scarlet Witch. Um, I'm not sure, had you read that run as well? That was a brilliant run, I yeah. thought. One of my favourites. Uh, a lot of, I think, Every every issue was a one shot, but um, it had different artists, and it was it was just yeah, it was really good. So I think with the lesser lesser tier characters, uh, you can get away with more, and I think the writers have a lot more creative reign. Uh, Moon Knight, I think, is certainly getting up there. Uh, not I wouldn't say top tier, but um, uh, a lot higher than some other um, uh, secondary characters in the Marvel universe. Uh, and uh, yeah, each run like this can only only um, promote him even more, I guess. Um, yeah, so uh, the next yeah, the next article we have um, was uh, getting into the realm of video games, and uh, this came from Fortress of Solitude, uh, and it just cites six heroes who deserve their own video game, and um, one of them is is our uh, our white knight, Moon Knight. Uh, I certainly would love to see a... Uh, like a standalone game, kind of with with Moon Knight, something along the lines of uh, Arkham Asylum, I think would be just would just I would, I'd get that in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, how about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, that, that I mean, if we could get something of even particularly that quality, would just be amazing. I, I love sort of beat 'em up action games. Um, I think I think Moon Knight could lead to some very brutal and interesting combat. Like even moving mm. past just the the classic counter and uh, beat like movement. We, you, there's a lot of stuff you can do with, you know, uh, just sort of everything that makes Moon Knight Moon Knight. The brutality. Uh, this article makes some uh, interest of the different personalities. 
Um, and I think there particularly could be some fun with mixing around with like Mr. Knight and Moon Knight and all those, all that crazy gear we saw on the stu- in, in stuff, especially the Ellis Wood Bun Run, the giant yeah, bird skull sure. armor. And you you can think of it like it's a marketer's dream. You can do the um, uh, I can't remember what you call them, Connor, but it's where you you buy um different uh, skins and stuff. You can, you know, you can have your Stephen Grant, your Jake Lockley, your, your, you know, and you can you can bounce around between them. Uh, they've got some interesting characters here. Uh, Doctor Strange, I definitely would love to see a standalone Doctor Strange video game. Uh, you got your Rocket and Groot. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be a, like a fun one uh, not really my fave uh, Gambit would be interesting uh, Iron Fist would be really cool yeah, as well I'd like to see that Iron Man for sure I, I'm sure there were Iron Man ones before as well yeah they were pretty rubbish uh, <laughs> yeah they were rubbish yeah it's got to be done yeah it has to be done right though yeah. that's the thing it feels like um, for sometimes such, oh sorry yeah, sorry yes yeah, for such a oh just for such a um, you know for such an just openly as you said marketable dream of comic books it, it can be so hard for a video game to get them right i wonder why that is i mean because the batman ones seem to be really really good uh and i know there's a spider-man one coming out which looks pretty cool as well um i played a um a wolverine one which i thought was was yes, wasn't actually. half bad yeah, yeah did you, you you play that as well that was pretty cool as well like the moves you can do and the um the difficulty factor was pretty good, and uh, I did play. There was another one for for Deadpool um, on the Xbox. Uh, I'm not sure if you played that one, Connor, as well, but that was a really good one. I thought as well. Um, that was really fun. But then you get a lot of, um, yeah, you get a lot of like. There were a couple, a few Iron Mans. There were ones released uh, along with the movies, and I think they were just like token releases. Uh, they must have had a really small budget or something, and. Um, they were just released for the fact that, you know, it's a movie's out, you know, someone's going to buy these games, uh, and the games were just rubbish. Yeah, no, they were, like, just pumped out. Like, I, I think yeah. they had less than a year to make those games or something crazy mm. to keep them, you know, up to date, and they were, yeah, pretty, by all means, yeah, substandard. And such a shame as well, because you have good characters. I For a long time, I've been wanting, actually, a, a Daredevil game. I think that would have been fantastic. I, um... I even uh, uh, sent uh, a message to This Week in Marvel, I think, uh, the podcast, I think years ago. I was just saying that, you know, oh, there should be a Daredevil. Uh, <laughs> there should be a Daredevil game because I can just see, like, the things that you can do, like, with the radar sense and, you know, the billy clubs and swinging around. It'd be good. But off off the track here, um, looking back at Moon Knight, I reckon Moon Knight would be really good as well. But it would have to be done well. Like, yes. um, I'd be really disappointed if, you know if they do try and just shoehorn something in. Um, okay, apart from that, uh, there was another article on um, CBR.com, uh, Comic Resources, and it had a whole list of villains who are <laughs> probably too offensive for the Marvel uh, MCU. Uh, this was just a bit of fun, and uh, there's no prizes here to guess uh, from our <laughs> stable. Uh, who that would be, and that that's Bushman. He comes in at number number eleven, um, and yep, yeah, he's definitely uh, well. He is terrifying, but it's more so, I think, what Moon Knight does to him that <laughs> that you can't really, you know, yeah. that would have to be censored because, uh, as we all know, his face gets um, gets cut off by Moon Knight, which is not the most pleasant thing. Uh, but that's a, that's a little fun article just to read um, about about villains. Uh, 
then we've we've got um, there there actually there are more than this just this one. This is a comic book review on on Moon Knight one eighty eight. Um, as we had in our last episode, uh, one of our loonies, Joel, wrote up a fantastic review on on the um, on issue one eighty eight. And look, there's a whole lot of them out there. Uh, this was just another one um, on Moon Knight, uh, which I guess we'll post up as well. Uh, also, we have uh, from WeAreTheMighty.com. Seven heroes who served in the Marine Corps, and of course that involves our Mark Spector as well. Uh, an interesting, um, an interesting uh, array of, of characters here, Connor, in the article. Moon Knight comes in at number seven, so obviously at the bottom, like well, just the the most obvious, I guess. Um, then you have again, I'm not too sure on these DC guys, uh, the Green Lantern, John Stewart. Um, I'm assuming, and then there's a couple of uh, there's Thunderbird, uh, War Machine, which is pretty obvious. Yeah. And number four, uh, Maria Hill, uh, very much so. Uh, Azrael from uh, DC, and of course Frank Castle, the Punisher. So, uh, pretty much an article, kind of gearing up and and getting a buzz around the the premiere of the Netflix Punisher show. Yeah. Uh, but it's got Moon Knight in there, so <laughs> um, we have uh, another article. There are 15 insane theories for the Netflix Punisher, and uh, this particular point, point 10, was uh, relevant to us. Uh, there are a lot of theories here. I actually tried to avoid reading much of this, Connor, because um, you know, having just started watching the series, I didn't want, yeah, I didn't want to really. So I just found out that that uh, point 10 was, you know. A theory that Moon Knight might arrive, uh, which we've speculated for a long time. Uh, and look, I'm, we'll, we'll again we'll put this in the the show notes, but um, I dare not look into, into that article because I just don't want to be spoiled by anything. So um, yeah, any 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 thoughts on that one, Connor? Or um, I mean, uh, not really. I read the I'm, Moon Knight one. Yeah, I sort of skipped a lot of and it. And that's yeah, and that's pretty obvious. Um, Point ten. It's what we've, you know, we've been mumbling about for a long time now. <laughs> um, uh, and kind of, I'll I'll throw to you for the actually the last two articles that we got. Yeah, these are the big ones. I'll just say um quickly for the previous ones that it was uh, just sort of generally nice to see Moon Knight popping around just in a lot of different yeah. articles. It's nice. It's, it's, it's he, what you he's see. in the he's in the yeah he's in the minds of everyone. Yeah, but this is the uh, biggest and easily most exciting. Uh, news of the week. Sure. We have a new uh, sort of mini event. It doesn't seem like there'll be sort of any time. It's just sort of a closed contained little event called Doctor Strange Damnation, written by Donny Cates and Nick Spencer. Donny Cates currently on Doctor Strange. Nick Spencer, writer of uh, the Captain America and Secret Empire runs. Uh, learning from Rebecca that Donny Cates and Nick Spencer have already written before. And with incredible artist Rod Reyes, they will be leading this event in February 2018 that sees Doctor Strange attempting to undo the destruction of Las Vegas that took place through the orders of evil Captain America during the Secret Empire event. And if I'll just pull up uh, the photo, we have a wonderful, wonderful lineup of Doctor Strange, Blade, Iron Fist, uh, is it uh, Johnny Blaze, the ghostwriter here? Uh yeah, I think it's Johnny Blaze. Uh, the one Nicolas Cage played in the movies. That's all I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. of course, not just Moon Knight, but actually pictured here, Mr. Knight. So, yes, all the money's going towards this. 
How good is this? This is going to be a, a ripper. Um, it, it's a it's a magic event, right? Um, so I'm not sure entirely how Moon Knight factors or Mr. Knight factors into it. Uh, he he's not really in the magic realm, is he? I thought he was more in the um, like the uh, kind of like Black Panther with the Basts, right? Just with the I don't I don't know. Is is that is that? I was just like, I mean, I'm not not to say that I, I don't want to see him in there, because um, how cool is that? You can see him standing right next to Blade, and that would just rock. But, uh, yeah, but he he's not he's not mystical, is he? he? I suppose he does have the talent and knowledge to take down the supernatural. He's definitely been, has plenty of his own issues gearing up his arsenal to take down the baddies. I think, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it is a bit of a strange one, um, but uh, yeah, look, he, he's uh, he's going to be there, I hope. Um, there was just some uh, comments to and fro between um, ourselves and Vengeance Unbound, which is the Ghost Rider podcast, um, a really good podcast, and the guys over there, Brian, was, um, was saying, oh gosh, you know... <laughs> It probably will be 98% Doctor Strange, and then, you know, the last couple of pages, you get Iron Fist, Ghost Rider, <laughs> Moon Knight. Uh, let's hope not. Uh, also, it was described in, in uh, I think, in, in, in the interview uh, with Donny Cates and uh, Nick Spencer that it's not only going to be these dudes with Doctor Strange, there's actually a huge cast. So they haven't revealed everyone, but um, it, it is comforting to know that, you know, these guys are on the... Um, what, what looks sure. to be the cover art, so they've got to play some sort of uh, greater role than, than the rest of the cast. And this uh, um, interview... So really... Oh, sorry? Uh, no, sorry, yep. The interview was... Uh... Uh, yeah, and uh, Donny Cates, when talking in an interview, gave Moon Knight three exclamation points when he was talking about how excited he was to writing him, so I feel like... Yeah, I saw that. He doesn't quite need the worry. I feel like... Um, I hope this will be a nice event, um, like a nice event for including everyone. It seems like these five on the cover seem like the real big players. Um, mm. It seems like a, a sort of... I don't want to compare another event to another because that may, you know, take the gravitas away from uh, one and the yes. other, but it definitely seems like another sort of Shadowland cool event, just sort of celebrating the supernatural and the street level because I feel like yeah, even all be... of these are kind of a nice mix of both. And it's so it's so great to to have Blade back in the mix yes. um, with things, uh, just following a bit of Spirit Spirits of Vengeance that legacy title and uh, yeah he's been away for so long and he's such a such a kick-ass dude mm. it's really cool uh, yeah and always good to see Mr Knight he played a really I thought a really cool role in that um, Deadpool kills the rest of the Marvel yes. Universe again he was uh, actually one of the um, the better, um, I guess, foes of Deadpool there. So, um, yeah, good, great to see. Um, see and who? sorry, no, no, I'll let, I'll let you, I'll let you finish. No, no, uh, I was just about to uh, ask you for that last article. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll, I will actually say one more thing: that there is a con don't you guys worry, there is a connecting variant cover for I'm guessing all of these issues by Greg Smallwood. So those will be an absolute delight. Oh. What? Oh yes, I'm looking at the article. Yeah, there's um awesome stuff down the bottom. Um, uh, pointing out that I didn't mention before. Um, as Doctor Strange re uh, tries to s resurrect uh, Las Vegas from the after effects of Secret Empire, he will open the door for Mephisto to come in and beat everyone up. So that's sort of the crux of the event. But yeah, definitely getting those Greg Smallwood variant covers.
nothing will stop me from those. That'd be good. I'm a bit of a fan of Ron Lim as well. I see he's oh, cool. got a variant cover as well. Uh, so Ron Lim, I remember fondly doing the Silver Surfer run back in the 90s. Ah, uh, uh, cool. And I think he did. He Actually, he, he drew um, much of, I believe, much of the Infinity Gauntlet, I think. So, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a really talented uh, and experienced artist. Um, but yeah, definitely Greg Smallwood for sure. He's a, a MK alumni. I'll be be getting that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and finally, Connor, we have uh, one more article. Yes. Uh, so I believe just Friday, I haven't had the chance to pick it up myself, but uh, Lego Marvel Two dropped, and um, we have a nice little article pointing out. Yes. Well, for a lot of things, but that uh. Moon Knight is actually in there. Uh, apparently, there's a nice yeah. little glimpse of him. Yeah, I, I had a look at the trailer, and it's seriously, it's literally um, like half a second. <laughs> um, I thought I thought there would be a lot more. Uh, you see from a, almost a bird's eye view, uh, he's in the arena with others, and, and it can only be him, I'm assuming, other than, unless it's, you know, White Tiger, and I've, I've uh, missed... I haven't recognised him properly, but uh, he's in an arena, and it looks like he's in the classic garb, which is the the white cape and the hood. Uh, yeah, and he's just doing battle. But this um, this trailer and and this game looks awesome, Connor. I I um, I'm really tempted to to kind of get it as well, <laughs> uh, but I don't have a console, so, <laughs> so that's not it's not gonna not gonna work. Um, yeah, I'm so I'm taking it you're you're gonna get it as as soon as you can. Yes, hopefully, um, hopefully, uh, as soon as I can. Um, there should be, you know, by next week there'll be more people who've probably finished 100% of this crazy game as people do. So we should have a full <laughs> roster showing Moon Knight. Um, I feared that it mm. might have been the uh, Phantom Rider that we saw that would oh, be in this game okay. before, but um, just from oh, okay. the I just watched the trailer and it's definitely yes. a um stick-like weapon that the Phantom Rider wouldn't use. He's a, these are very much his two oh. pistols. So I'm pr- the, uh, it's definitely, I think, Moon Knight. Okay, so fantastic. We're in luck. But yes, uh, next week we should l- have our 100% confirmation. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And um, Looney's here, just to let you know, it literally is uh, like half a second, so I don't expect to see a lot of Moon Knight in this trailer, but um, as confirmed from your High Priests of Conchu, he's definitely definitely there. Um, so yeah, uh, be looking forward to looking forward to that and playing it in in some capacity somehow. Um, yeah, that that kind of wraps up our news. Uh, so yeah, a fair few articles uh, sprayed around, and like I mentioned, there's a whole lot of of reviews on issue 188. Um, so yeah, just just do a Google search, and uh, you should come up with them uh, if you haven't already. Right, Connor. I think it will be time now to go over the moon. Lovely. <gasps> right. So we are okay. A bit a bit of um bit of back history here, Connor. We actually got a suggestion from one of our loonies, Keith, and uh, he wrote to us uh, saying that you know he's he's really enjoying the podcast and all, uh, but he mentioned. Uh, he cited, I think, an X-Men podcast, uh, the Uncanny podcast, uh, and he, he asked if um, we could consider doing basically an epic, epic uh, <laughs> undertaking of, of actually reviewing Moon Knight from Go to Woe. Um, so Connor and I, we put our heads together and um, we 
yeah, we, we thought we thought we'd give it a go, <laughs> at least Connor, right? We we might um, we may alter alter it <laughs> a little, <laughs> um, only in the fact that you know Connor and I are, are pretty raring to to review uh, some of the more recent runs as well. So we'll definitely there'll be a definite continuing thread I think throughout our podcast that will that will cover Moon Knight from his first appearance onwards. But um the best way I think Connor we were mentioning or discussing is that we'll probably do them in parallel. So um we'll probably do one comic review of the classic run going through and we may then jump, you know, further down the track uh, we may decide to jump onto say the Houston run or the Ellis run or um, you know or the Bendis run just because um, because those runs are really cool and they're recent and they're kind of still fresh in our memories um, so it would be good to review but uh, yeah definitely like the idea of actually going through every single issue in order um, to to see how Moon Knight gets developed over over the course of his 40 year um in a forty-year run, mm. uh, and uh, I but mean, having said that, for our over, yeah. Oh no, no, sorry. Means go on. No, sorry, sorry. That was uh, I was about to launch into it, but uh, you were about to say. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I think it'll be good to you know do run side by side. I think seeing the development of Moon Knight for a character that jumps around so much will be good. You know, I think there'll be nice parallels reviewing stuff like Houston along from Munch. Yeah, they'll be good, actually. It'll be good contrast. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. And, and we won't, you know, we won't miss any um, any of the issues. So we'll definitely, we will f- cover all of the issues. Uh, it's just that, yeah, we might take a break here and there from the, <laughs> from the classic run. But having said that, Loonies, this podcast now, we have got... The first two appearances of Moon Knight, we um, uh, he featured basically in Werewolf by Night, so we'll be looking at a couple of the issues there, and we are very, very honoured to have um, our guest narrators for this episode. Uh, Connor, you remember all the way back in episode zero, we spoke of our influences and basically where we met to create this podcast, and it was from a fantastic um, podcast called Serious Issues, and it's hosted by um, two wonderful, wonderful people, uh, Levens and Siobhan, and they review comics every week, and they read something like 50-plus comics from all publishers every week without fail. Uh, it is a fantastic podcast for any of you who would like to or, or a bit more curious about other other labels or other publishers, um, as well as just other titles in general. It's definitely worth checking out, and it's um, you can catch them on facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues, I believe. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we have Levens and Siobhan from the awesome Serious Issues podcast. So I'll throw it to them for the first narration. Hi, everybody. This is Levens from the hit podcast, Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast. I'm here with my friend, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. And we're going to be doing this book, which is a one called The Stalker Called Moon Knight. Werewolf by Night, Volume 1, Issue 32, released in August 1975. Uh, written ri- by Doug Mensch. I'm glad you can pronounce. I, it's always been like one of the one of the names that I'm always just like, oh, I want to say his name. Moench. Moench. Munch. Anyway, an art by Don Perlin and Howie Perlin. That's good. 
Um, colors were by Phil Raish. Letters by Ray Holloway. And edited by the late, great Len Wein. Nice. Is that Wein or wine? I would have said wine. Well, well, well maybe uh. next time. Len Duddy Wine. Um, so we're going to be doing um, one paragraph. We're going to be narrating this entire thing. So I'll do one paragraph, then Siobhan will do one paragraph. Cool. And um, we're going to be doing a uh, Transylvanian accent. <laughs> Absolutely not. We are thrust into the middle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, here we go. We are thrust into the middle of a deadly fight in a street alley between Jack Russell, the werewolf by night, and a fast and brutal adversary named Moon Knight. Though sporting what appears to be a hand injury, the werewolf continues to trade blows with the Jet and Silver Avenger, at one point almost biting his neck for a killer blow. Moon Knight proves too skillful, and as a crowd forms around the fight, he relentlessly strikes the werewolf not only with fists, but with his silver spiked gloves and his deadly crescent darts. As the werewolf struggles to remain on his feet after the barrage of blows from Moon Knight, he reflects on how he found himself in this position, fighting for his life against this unstoppable lunatic. Memories of only the night before resurface in Russell's mind, and he remembers a fight in the snow with his best friend, Buck Cowan, as the werewolf. Russell almost kills a small seven-year-old girl named Buttons. Buck, however, throws himself at the werewolf, saving Buttons, but in doing so, places himself in harm's way. The werewolf strikes out and injures Buck, leaving him for dead. As the blizzard in the snow subsides and the werewolf no longer holds interest in Buck or Buttons, it wanders off and eventually reverts back to Jack Russell. In the time it takes for Buck to be discovered and brought to hospital, Jack makes his way home, bewildered that Buck doesn't show up for them to head home together. By the time Buck reaches his house... Jack. Sorry. By the time Jack reaches his house, news of Buck slipping into a coma has reached Jack's father. Jack is both frustrated and saddened at what he hears, and when he arrives at the hospital to see his friend in a coma, it proves all too much. Jack strikes out at the wall, breaking his hand. Take that, you fucking wall. It's actual dialogue in the comic. <laughs> the pain, however, is muffled by Jack's anger. Jack returns home to his father but finds an unexpected guest with him. It's Moon Knight. Whoa. And when Jack asks exactly who my Moon Knight is, we are treated with a brief origin and motive. I love it when the comics do that. Yeah. <laughs> a highly secretive organization known as the Committee hire a mercenary named Mark Spector for a mission. Spectre's profile is impressive. A veteran of three African wars, five South American revolutions, a stint in the CIA, weapons expert, master of all martial arts, ex-prize fighter and marine commander. Spectre appears to have all the credentials to do the job. The committee arm him with a suit, weapons and cash, and his job is to bring the werewolf to them. With the motive revealed, Jack's father tackles Moon Knight, allowing Jack to flee. With the full moon out, however, it doesn't take long for Jack to transform into the werewolf by night. He stumbles into an alley and we're brought back to where the story began. Moon Knight, the werewolf and a crowd of intrigued onlookers. As they continue to fight, we briefly see Jack's sister Lissa and her friend Topaz in their apartment, shaken by the events of what happened to Buck, their friend. A helicopter hovers above the apartment building and crashing through their window, we see the first appearance of Frenchie, Moon Knight's accomplice. He's there to take Lissa and Topaz hostage, insurance maybe, against the werewolf in case Moon Knight is unable to fulfill the mission. Back in the alleyway, the werewolf continues to defend himself against the far superior fighting skills of Moon Knight. He becomes his worst enemy. He strikes out in a berserker rage at Moon Knight, but uses his broken hand. As the pain distracts him, Moon Knight is able to take advantage, and with his silver truncheon, bludgeons the werewolf into submission. Heavy. 
With Lissa and Topaz bound in the helicopter, Frenchie flies in to pick up Moon Knight, who finally has his target, the werewolf, acquired. As the police arrive, the onlookers look in awe and clear a path as Moon Knight heads into the helicopter, away from the sirens and into the night. This is so 70s. I love the it. The end. Thank you so much for part one of our special reading of this comic for the hit podcast, um, Into the Werewolf by Night, (laughs) the only werewolf by night fan podcast on the internet. Nailed it. Thank you so much, Levins and Siobhan, for that very cool uh, rendition of the narration. So, Connor, what a... a, um what a way to introduce <laughs> Moon Knight. It's, um, it's definitely a uh, 1975 comic, let's just say that. Uh, but, you know, as always, what were your overall impressions for after reading this? Yeah, so um, I've realised how much I start off every bloody thing I say with yeah, or yeah, sure. Oh yeah, oh, um, <laughs> it's getting a bit. Out I of reckon hands. I say, <laughs> I reckon I say yeah about a million times. <laughs> so it's a. Uh, no, sorry. I was about to say, yeah, then, so I was just going, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, Doug Munch uh, took over the title at issue 20 and ran with this series till uh, basically issue 43, I believe the series ended. 42, mm, okay. one, one of the two, 43, yeah. Uh, 1974 to 77, uh, the ye olde times. Um, I actually think this is quite a... This is quite a it's quite a cool run. I mean, it's very much of its time. You know, it's very, very overly much. narrated. You know, it's like everything you know about that time period. But when it comes to the storytelling of that time, I think it's actually a pretty decent read. I like I like the art in a lot of issues I've read, even around this one. I like um, I like what uh, Munch was doing with Jack Russell in the seventies. He was kind of a he was a very sympathetic hero, but even back then, and wasn't even overwritten as like some kind of annoying teen hero you know there's an actual sense of sympathy and i think at least for its time it's actually a fairly solid comic and these issues were very much the same you know not exactly the most i mean they're memorable because it's moon knight's first appearance but you know not the most memorable story of all time but there's some cool elements um although you'll see that moon knight really was just sort of a one-off villain who yep, stayed because yep. people loved him so much, which is so cool to remember. But yeah, I mean, decently good issues. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I I kind of enjoyed it, and exactly as you say, it is very much a a seventies comic. Uh, so different sort of narrative. Uh, actually, I found uh, we'll get to one of the aspects I thought was the was was much as narrative for this, which I, I found was was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's um, Werewolf by Night. It was it's weird because I you can't help but draw comparisons with the Incredible Hulk, you know, as the the tragic yeah. figure, someone that transforms. So I always I always wondered, oh, it's so weird, like, haven't they kind of um, covered this, uh, you know, this uh, niche already with the Incredible Hulk? But I guess the Werewolf by Night is your, your pure supernatural, you know, um, catering towards the the fans that love your, your typical monster, you know, horror, dark universe Call it what you will. Uh, I I really enjoy actually Werewolf by Night. I it's a shame that he's not around um, enough in the modern era. Uh, so I really do hope he pops up 
somewhere because uh, he's really, for me, he's a really interesting character. And it, it being a Werewolf by Night comic, uh, most of the comic was obviously dedicated to Jack Russell. So uh, Moon Knight was very limited in it, but uh, there is enough there um, for us to discuss about Moon Knight uh, in it. So um, yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting um, interesting story. I thought. Uh, Connor, maybe I'll uh, let, let's throw I'll throw to you for the first aspect. Yeah, okay, awesome. I'll get um one of the sort of smaller ones out of the way before we crack on to the real reason we're covering this for Moon Knight. But Jack Russell himself, so um he's sort of suffering a crisis in this issue. In the issue before, the wolf, uh, as you said, the Incredible Hulk type figure, tried to kill a seven year old girl in its fury as an uncontrollable beast that Jack can't um control, and his best friend. Uh, saved uh, Russell from doing that and got mauled by the wolf. So this issue starts off with uh, Jack trying to uh, recover and try to deal with the repercussions of his uh, terrible actions as the wolf. And like I said, I mean, um, this sort of aspect, a bit of writing, I really don't think... I feel like for its time, it's actually pretty cool. It, It doesn't feel overwritten or really hammy as a lot of teens written by adults were back then. It felt like there was a genuine cause to feel sorry for Jack Russell and Moon Knight as a villain just seemed like the last thing Jack Russell needed right now. Uh, Munch, uh, I guess it makes sense what you mentioned earlier, having taken the reins for Werewolf by Night. He's really got, I think he's got a good hold on on Jack Russell, how to write him. is really. Uh, if you compare how he writes Moon Knight, which is literally the first time anyone ever sees Moon Knight, uh, uh, the way Moon Knight is written is, is still kind of a bit loose. Um, it, uh He's he seems very stereotypical, but uh, yeah, totally agree. A werewolf, it was um, quite quite interesting. This uh, little side story, um, got to laugh at some of the things like you know, a seven year old girl na- named Buttons. I mean, it's, it's kind of a bit sac- saccharine. It's a bit too too sickly sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, def- the um, uh, the elements are there of, of him mauling his friend and not knowing about it. Again, kind of like kind of like the Hulk, uh, but uh, yeah, it makes him, makes for a very intriguing character as well. Um, I kind of like Jack Russell as well, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm really mm. sad he's not around as much, especially in the sort of supernatural renaissance Marvel's going through right now. He's uh, sadly absent. He should be, I mean, who who knows if, um, you know, that movie by Tom Cruise and... Uh, <laughs> which distributor, if, if that worked, you know, that they were trying to build the Dark Universe... Uh, you know, to get to get all your your scary monsters back. If that worked, then maybe Marvel would think about it, reintroducing a werewolf. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, he's a he's really a character that should be explored more. I think. Uh, look, my, my my aspect was um was the main one. I yes. already uh, <laughs> I I picked the 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 low hanging fruit. Um, so I uh I got there first, and I um I just mentioned look, it's a first look at at Moon Knight, and it's a very interesting look at Moon Knight as well. Um, what we get is uh, a very very cool costume design. Uh, if it, right on the first page, as you see him smacking werewolf, uh, he's got that that different cape which um, was lost along the way um, because I guess the editors and creators thought that it, it didn't look too too good. Uh, Doug Munch certainly enjoyed it himself. He, he wanted to keep it. But uh, yeah, he's got his hood. Uh, notably, he's got the white face, which, um, which kind of actually 
uh, it goes back and forth between being white and just being black, um, which you see a couple pages uh, afterwards. Uh, he's uh, got he's got the crescent moon on his on his chest. He's got a couple of collars there, which which I kind of get lost in the um, <laughs> in the more modern designs. He's got his uh, moon belt, which has always stayed there, and uh, he's got his truncheon um, still strapped to his leg. So a lot of uh, a lot of uh, elements obviously uh, have survived and made its way to uh, the modern version of Moon Knight. Uh, he also as well is very different. He's introduced, he, he takes on, he's by all, you know, for all intents and purposes a, a normal human being, just a really gifted fighter, and he's taking on a werewolf. Uh, so he, he certainly, I don't know, viewed as uh, a lot more... Um, competent with fighting and and uh and skillful to be able to take on a basically a monster uh and uh also my first impressions for the first look at moon knight is that uh his his personality and his character haven't actually been fully developed yet um uh, so we see him as a more so stereotypical kind of wise cracking guy uh, and very much a merc so uh very kind of conscious about earning money for for doing this job that he's been set about to do um yeah it's a interesting look at the at the first um iteration of moon knight connor yeah um fuck i'm just doing it all the time um <laughs> what <was> like <laughs> just still going on about the years my god <laughs> um yeah, uh, as I was saying, like, you can see why people really attach to Moon Knight here, you know, uh, a character even like Boba Fett with how minimal an appearance he was became such a popular hit, and Moon Knight feels like the same, you know, he's a really sort of one-dimensional, wise-cracking villain, mercenary to say, but, you know, the cool design w- would have been, you know, a real cool appeal without ever seeing it before, and I think, mm. uh, you can see why it latched on and... You know, it's great that he went from this sort of one-dimensional wise-cracking character to actually being taken in a different direction and that when Munch actually got his hands, he didn't make him this, you know, constantly sort of Spider-Man-esque sort of, mm. or Taskmaster-esque sort of mercenary and became something a lot more. And and he's got the... Yes, sorry? No, I was about to go on to my next point. You go on. Oh yeah, uh, just a couple of other things. I, I thought um, we do see. Unfortunately, there are a couple of things that uh, are lost along the way, um, which is a bit of a shame. The first one being uh, his cestus. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, that basically he spiked um, he spiked gloves. Uh, I always think they're really cool and quite brutal. So you see him using that, uh, and as you were saying, Connor as well. He has got that cool factor, I can imagine, in the 70s, because he's got all these nifty gadgets like the um, the crescent darts as well. Uh, and one of the other things I was about to say that got lost along the way was that he uses silver, which is obviously um, against werewolves. Uh, the werewolves' um, weakness is silver. Um, so his boots and his cestus and, and crescent darts are all made out of silver, which is um, I think is a, is a pretty cool touch. Um, and it would have been fun if they kind of kept it in some capacity, you know, or at least mentioned it in the modern day thing. Because uh, I don't know, it, it, it does sound a little old-fashioned, but it's um, I think it's pretty. It's a it's a nice little element to him, um, having silver stuff. Um, yeah, that was a 
yeah, that, that was the only the those points that I was I was about to make there, Connor. Oh uh, yeah, actually, I would um, yeah, it's interesting that it was silver back then, and eventually didn't stick with the silver and became adamantian or ke- uh, kel kevlar 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 yeah um actually i will um it's not one of my aspects but i suppose it uh should have been so i'll add a quick note in here as you were talking about the uh spike gloves i like i really like the um action scenes in this i think moon knight does a lot of really cool Mm. sort of kicks and there's a lot of great focus (laughs) uh punching with those spike knuckles or the cool um look of throwing the crescent darts i could see why this you know title definitely held up back then and Moon Knight is actually really cool in this. He's just kind of beating the shit out of a werewolf, and yeah, an ordinary man. He, yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty cool, isn't he? Like he's got the gad. Like I say, he's got the gadgets. He's what you say, like the kind of the Boba Fett. He he kind of swans in out of nowhere, uh, and he seems to be well prepared and um, you know not phased at having to fight a, a werewolf. And then you have him do these crazy kicks, um, uh, showing his prowess. Uh, so yep, yeah, it's. Um, it's a pretty cool introduction to to Moon Knight, and we see him later on as well uh, when he's at um, Jack's stepfather's place. Uh, and uh, a funny little thing I thought from from Doug Munch, uh, he says here, "Hello, Russell. Uh, they told me to announce myself as the Moon Knight. Pretty stupid name, but it'll <laughs> but it'll do as far as you're concerned." So he's he's still such a he's a bit of a wisecracker, and he kind of shows that he's not you know. I was I was just asked to wear this stupid costume, you know, um, um, but I've got a job to do, and you know I'm here to kind of collect you. Uh, so he's, um, yeah, he's, he's a a bit of an interesting character, uh, and is still very much seen as the villain here, I guess, kind of, which is the important thing. Yeah, and um, actually, that's my uh, first aspect. The sort of oh, just the um, just the nature of Moon Knight as a character here, you know definitely sort of a one-off the fact that he is such an ordinary man that is given both the name the outfit and the objective by the evil organization here the committee and is just kind of like told told what to do and just sort of that that wisecracking name really comes from just sort of the fact he's just this mercenary beating up a werewolf because the money was good and he was told to put on a suit like there's really nothing here for moon knight straight away other than money and a bit of quips yeah basically and he's got actually a pretty impressive cv here like as um as mentioned <laughs> in the bare bones yeah he's a soldier of fortune mercenary he's got three african wars under his belt five south american revolutions like the guy's done it all so um doug munch and don perlin who created moon Knight, certainly loaded him up with as much fighting experience um, and master of all kind of fighting techniques as possible. Uh, look, he's a, virtually he's a is a practitioner of virtually all the martial arts. So you can't get any any more skilled than that. And I think um, you know he's up there with Taskmaster level. Uh, even Daredevil doesn't know all the um, all the martial arts. He, I'm sure he only knows like one, right? <laughs> so uh, so Moon Knight's like he's got it all. Uh, and yeah, very much a hired goon. He. Um, yeah, he, he uh, which I think is important because if we go on to, well, you know, when we go on to the next issue, you know, things turn around a little. Um, so, uh, and yeah, so that kind of goes, um, what I, what I mentioned before about uh, Munch's narrative, what I found uh, was quite interesting in this issue, uh, and and really cool. I mean, it's n- it's nothing new really, but uh, and 
but what he does, uh, Munch, is you're introduced at the beginning of the of the issue with you know with the the action-packed fight scene, which is really cool, and then it kind of goes back. It's almost as if like the wolf is reminiscing while he's fighting Moon Knight of oh how did I how did I get into this predicament, and it actually goes back. And actually, there's a weird there's a weird thing here, Connor, which um, uh, I'll I'll include now as well with the the narrative. It's strange, right? Because Jack Russell has no memory of when he's the wolf, right? But um, if you read Munch's narrative, there's a mixture of, of uh, memories of, you know, someone remembering the wolf attacking, and then sometimes it's from Jack's perspective as well. So it's a bit loose there, and you have to kind of let that go and just go, okay, well, um, there's no possible way. Because uh, d- does that... Does that makes sense it's yeah, kind of like it even seems like a weird handicap he even put on himself you know you're leading this title you could possibly even retcon it that the memories were even still there for a better audience perspective but yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's a bit loose and Munch asks you to kind of okay forget that detail but let's go back into the past and see what's happened and what he does is that he tracks then um, Jack Russell's actions until uh, basically he meets up with Moon Knight at his stepfather's place and uh, then we see him run away and we're brought back to the scene at the very beginning of the of the comic issue. Um, so it was a nice little way of, of um, I guess, structuring the story, I think. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, and at, at towards the end, um, again, Moon Knight is just too good for the werewolf. Um, and he, he still he manages to, to beat him. And actually, the werewolf... Um, kind of is his own uh, undoing in that he kind of he uses his hand that's kind of broken uh, and that kind of um, causes him to kind of howl in pain and as he's kind of distracted then the Moon Knight takes the better of it uh, takes advantage of it and and walks him one with a truncheon Um, so at at the end of the, the story we have a subdued Werewolf and Moon Knight with his prize, uh, but yeah, an, an interesting way that Munch has told the story. Like we've always talked about how Munch's storytelling is is actually quite lyrical and poetic. Uh, uh, these early stories that he does is is a pretty, I don't know, I'd say it doesn't have that lyricism that we get later on. Definitely not. Yeah, it doesn't even hold a candle to the to the writing he'd do like three years later. Which is a lot of time and to develop as a writer, but I even felt like that is true. The constraints of back then really sort of gave this exposition that just sort of r- removed any chance of that sort of blossoming. Mm. And and we got to um, we have to make mention of Don Perlin's um, art as well. Fantastic. I think he's he's pretty cool, uh, and it goes a long way um, for informing. I guess there's that synergy between the writer and artist because uh, with Munch's later lyrical kind of prose and you have Bill Shinkovich with his fantastic art they they seem to kind of work off each other and bounce off each other whereas if you look at Don Perlin's art here which is I, I love it I think it's I think it's really nice his um his artwork here uh but his artwork is more kind of your classic comic book style and it seems to reflect in in Munch's writing so the writer and artist seem to bounce off each other um and kind of influence each other, I think. Yeah, but, and even... Um, I re- yeah, I think there's a lot of 
the art is great, and there's a lot. Of, there is like even for the time, there's a lot of n- nice sort of synergy there for the writing and the story. Like I think Munch was a good writer that the and Perlman worked well with that to create art that sort of tells a story even without the unnecessary exposition. Like it, it is unnecessary because I think he paints that picture really well, and that. Munch narrative does sort of lend itself to making it a bit more interesting. The time traveling jumps yeah. around, as you said. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if it was just a straight laced, um, you know, timeline, uh, it, it would go maybe one or two crescent darts lower. I think in my rating, <laughs> I think I think the narrative really does uh, really does add add to it as well. Um, so only just had I had a few notes here, Connor. I, I thought it was really good as well. We see the um, first appearance of Frenchie, yeah, which I, I think is really cool. That. So no, me too. And and so we see Frenchie was I guess created exactly the same time as Moon Knight. Um, no moustache, um, but but still heavy uh, heavy accent with his uh, French accent. Uh, also, we get the introduction to the committee, um, and they're a. Uh, an organization which pops up later in the in the Houston run Houston reintroduces them uh, with a far more sinister bent yes. to them uh, and and the introduction of a new character the profile which is a he's a really interesting character as well but we see um, shall I say the bare bones of the ca- of the committee here uh, you know just basically they're your typical kind of faceless um, organization um, you know, evil organisation, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, then there's just, uh, I think what I mentioned before about Moon Knight's cool silver, use of silver, and uh, you see the first appearance, obviously, of Moon Knight and his weapons, which is which is really cool. You also see, um, and what has stayed true to, to this day, um, is the helicopter and the rope ladder, which, which um, is carried through the whole way of Moon Knight, uh, it's really interesting. I don't know. It's funny, Connor. It's um, it's something that I wouldn't imagine a superhero using. Like, sure, he's got the moon copter later on, but um, you know, just dangling on that ladder. Um, yeah. It just seems. Yeah, it it's just a seems cool pose, synonymous. but it just seems a bit not safe. Yeah, I wonder. Oh, yeah, I wonder if that was uh, kind of maybe ripped off uh, a movie or something, oh, or totally. maybe it was seen as cool. At the time, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, rope ladders—it just seems to follow Moon Knight everywhere. Uh, yeah, and the and the only other couple of notes I had, Connor, were uh, was basically Jack Russell was a pretty interesting character. How I discussed, um, be really cool to to see him again. Uh, and I noted as well, I guess, um, power sets back in 1975 weren't as intricate uh, and detailed as power sets these days because. Uh, you, you back then, um, Jack Russell and, and the werewolf uh, apparently had no healing factor, uh, no. so or, or no accelerated healing factor. So when he broke his hand uh, and he transformed into the werewolf, uh, the, the, he still had his broken hand. So um, that definitely wouldn't happen uh, with modern era superheroes. Uh, you know, if you look at your Wolverines or even your modern day werewolves, um, they they would you know they'd heal up pretty quickly. Uh, but not so in 1975. <laughs> um, yeah, any any other short notes there, Connor? No, I think you have covered it rather well. Um, oh, I, oh, 
Yeah, actually, well, maybe, maybe just one other thing, because I'm just looking through some, some pictures here. Uh, just note-wise, um, so we know that Jack has a, has a, has a sister, Lissa, and, um, and he's friends with Topaz, and I think it's alluded to later on, Topaz has some sort of psychic abilities. Um, I'm not sure whether she's... There was a Topaz, I believe, in the Doctor Strange um, uh, corner of the universe. I'm not yeah. sure if she is the same character or not. Yeah, I could be totally wrong. But um, And also, I just thought was interesting was there was a secondary um, plot... Uh, with Raymond Coker, uh, which is obviously more into the whole Werewolf by Night comic, because it is a Werewolf by Night comic, uh, and apparently he was an, uh, a werewolf before, but he was cured. But we see him going to um, going overseas to to meet up with a, a voodoo uh, a voodoo doctor, it seems. So yeah, uh, pr pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, have you managed to find out? Any any luck there on Topaz? Yeah, Topaz actually became kind of her own, very much her own character, blooming from a Werewolf by Night by the looks of it. Oh, okay. Uh, was she was she connected with Doctor Strange at all? No, Maybe it doesn't seem wrong. so. Um. Oh, okay. No, no. Okay. She does get a cooler costume later on though. Ah, well, you've got to have a cool costume if you're a superhero, yeah. so, so uh, yeah, no, great. Um, Crescent Dart ratings, Connor, what would you give this, the very first appearance of one Mr. Moon Knight? Um, look, it's an interesting one. Uh, I think as a story, it's competent, like, it's, uh, it's nothing amazing. There's some really nice stuff... With Jack Russell as a character, I like the repercussions of the previous story, actually, and its um, effects on this issue. I think um, Don Perlman's art is the particular standout here. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, like, I bet I would have liked reading it back then, uh, but now just looking at it, yeah, it's really just a sort of super competent issue that's remembered for the first appearance of Moon Knight rather than anything the story does. And so with its sort of... Uh, with the great art, I think I'd probably give it two and a half crescent darts out of five. Like it, okay. it won't hurt you to read it, and I still I still enjoyed it. But I mean, that's it. Just isn't an issue you really sort of think about after. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I know exactly where you're coming from as well, and um, yeah, I'd have to agree was uh, as well. Uh, you know, I'd give it I'd give it like three crescent darts. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah uh, it is good. Three is like. Is decent, but um, as you say, it's not nothing uh, memorable or outstanding. Um, purely, again, I think um, I think Don Perlin's art really sells it a lot, which is which is good. Uh, the character of the werewolf uh, is is a compelling character, and of course, the first appearance of Moon Knight uh, is an exciting thing. So, uh, all those together. Um, you get a pretty cool st oh and also Munch's narrative story structure I think was was quite exciting so uh, you put that together and you get you get quite a solid issue but um, nothing you know nothing outstanding or you know seen as one of the greatest comic book issues of all time or anything like that uh, but I mean you know I'll, I would read it again um, but unfortunately we're always um, presented with a problem Connor of there just being too many damn comics yeah. in the world so uh, yeah so whether or not I'd reread it in the near future I, w I don't know but 
Yeah, good. I, I'm even thinking of... I wouldn't mind getting the epic collection of Werewolf by Night. I, I, that's how interested I am in, in Werewolf. Um, okay. uh, would you would you look at getting a, a collection of that, Connor? Or, or are you happy with just the digital... Uh, just getting it digitally? Yeah, probably just getting digitally. Like I said, I did actually... I have actually enjoyed what I've read. I've only read the yeah. particular Munch run. But no, I think... I think I think it's an it's, I think it's a nice piece of comics history, and it's kind of some of the earliest supernatural tales that sort of took on a life of its own yeah. outside of just sort of the classic. Oh, it's Dracula. Oh, it's another yeah. thing in the Marvel universe. Hi, you know that was a real character with Jack Russell, and yeah, you actually yeah. why not? I'd like it. It actually be kind of a nice companion piece uh, alongside the Moon Knight epic collections. I reckon it would be, yeah, it'd be good, uh, good to have, and it, what you said I didn't realise about the, the length of run that Doug Munch has on Werewolf by Night, it, it would be, um, I, I would be curious to read the other issues, uh, you know, the many issues that he's written, that he wrote for, for Werewolf by Night, so uh, yeah, definitely worth checking it out, um, Loonies, you can uh, find this on Marvel Unlimited, first up, and um, I read it on uh, the Epic Collection, Volume 1 of the Epic Collection of Moon Knight. Me too. Um, yeah, it's available there. Uh, also, what am I missing? Maybe Comicsology. I'm not sure. I didn't do my homework, Connor. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh, look, I guess just just check out uh, Comicsology. It may or may not be there. <laughs> or, or just Amazon. Actually, you, you'd probably be best to check um, the Kindle, um, yeah. Kindle store as well. Because mm, Amazon have uh, a vast range there, uh, which obviously speaks to comicsology. Anywho, that was issue 32. Uh, we are now treated with uh, our second Over the Moon book review. And uh, this comes straight after the issue that we've just reviewed. This is issue 33. And we have Levens and Siobhan returning for the second part of their narration of Over the Moon. Take it away, Levens and Siobhan. Um, all right, part two. Um, so this you, is you issue did... Werewolf by Night, issue 33, Wolf Beast versus Moon Knight. Do you need really? to see who we are again? Oh, yeah, I'm Siobhan. I'm Levens. Nice. We're from the podcast Serial. <laughs> um, this was released in September 1975. It was written by Doug Munch, <laughs> um, with art by Don Perlin and Howie Perlin, colors by George Roussos, letters by Deborah James, and edited by Len Wine, apparently. I would say Wine. We see Moon Knight and his prize, an unconscious werewolf, making a hasty exit from the streets where they tussled in the previous issue before, narrated by two very good narrators. Absolutely. The police have arrived but are unable to apprehend Moon Knight as he is whisked away in Frenchie's chopper, the trusty rope ladder, a lifeline for Spectre and his prize. Meanwhile, in Haiti, a seedy character named Northrop tries to bribe a Haitian customs officer for the whereabouts of one... Raymond Coker. Coker appears to also have had a history with werewolves. It is not because <laughs> of this. Very common practice in the 70s. <laughs> it is not because of this, but more because of Northrop's character that the customs officer refuses to assist him. He knows a dodgy customer when he sees him, and so Northrop leaves in a huff, threatening to find Coker by any means possible. Coker, in fact, is a Haitian swamp speaker. He's in a Haitian Oh, whoops, swamp. no, he is a swamp. It's... <laughs> Everyone knows that. Coca, in fact, is in a Haitian swamp, speaking to an oracle named 
Gisela, and her perceptive gaze seems to recognize the curse that once beheld Coca. It is not this which draws Coca to seek Gisela, but something else, a horrifying tale of murder and resurrection. For it seems Coca's great-grandfather, Geranda, has risen from the dead and is terrorizing the small village from whence he came. Gisela mentions that the only one person, the only one person can deal with the likes of this, that of zombies, and that person is Jericho Drum. Hell yeah. AKA God, what's his name? Isn't that Dr. Voodoo? Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Voodoo. There you go. Sorry. Um, back, I guess we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> back high above the sky, Moon Knight drifts on the ladder from Frenchie's helicopter with the werewolf in check. Suddenly, the werewolf awakens, and despite the great height that they are at, he attacks Moon Knight on pure instinct. They both fall from the ladder and land in the ocean 500 feet below with an almighty splash. With Topaz and Lissa looking on from the chopper, fearing them dead, they soon see the pair alive and at each other's throats again. It is an epic fight, with neither getting the better of each other, and it is only when the werewolf inconveniently reverts back to Jack Russell that Moon Knight makes the most of it and subdues him with a swift kick. A kick in the water? That's amazing. He's a, he's a, he's a spectacular he's a superhero. He sure is. With the cargo again compliant, Moon Knight luck lugs Jack onto the ladder of the chopper once again, and they resume their way towards the committee for Moon Knight to receive his payment. They arrived at an undisclosed location, a meeting place of which the committee has arranged. arranged. With Jack safely in a cage and with Topaz and Lissa bound, the committee leader commends Moon Knight for a job well done. Not convinced that the man in the cage is indeed a werewolf, the committee refuse to pay Moon Knight until the full moon rises in the evening. This is a bad idea. That's a bad call, guys. Jack, seeing his sister and friend bound and finding himself in a cage, begins to see red. And by the time the full moon does arrive, Jack is already in a highly agitated state. Right before their very eyes, the committee see Jack Russell transform into the werewolf. Confirming that Moon Knight has completed his job successfully, they pay him and reveal the purpose of attaining the werewolf. The committee intend to use the werewolf as a weapon to assassinate anyone who gets in their way. Having seen Jack as a decent man and hearing the committee's nefarious intentions, Moon Knight has a change of heart, thank goodness, and decides to free the werewolf. Moon Knight helps him out of the cage and the two attack the committee, and before long, all the members have either fled or been too killed. No, sorry, or have been killed. Anyway, Moon Knight frees Topaz and Lissa, and although he tries to reason with the werewolf, is forced to let him be. A creature of pure instinct does not understand camaraderie, and Moon Knight is not one to try and convince it. Moon Knight swings away and watches from the rooftop as the werewolf lurches into the darkness and fog. He quietly salutes him and wishes the werewolf luck. Enjoy, guys. The end. The end. Stay tuned. Come, come back next week when we read Barack Obama's biography. One paragraph at a time. Who wants that? <laughs> it's not for me. Once again, a big thank you to Levens and Shinbone for that really a psychedelic uh, rendition of the second narration for Over the Moon. Uh, Connor, we have the next issue. Uh, and a continuation, uh, obviously, where we were left off, uh, Moon Knight had, uh, had taken Werewolf uh, and, and subdued him and, uh, you know, flew away. Um, and, and we see a turning point in, in, uh, in Moon Knight. Uh, again, I guess, what were your overall impressions of, of this issue? Yeah, uh, I, like, I think uh, it very much follows the uh, same sort of pa- uh, passion. I like that it's almost sort of a, 
if you read this issue one after the other, and other, it just feels like one giant issue. Like there's a nice flow on. Um, that's really great. Uh, like, uh, it, it just kind of hits all the high points. There's, um, plenty of stuff I won't, I was about to co- uh, say, but we'll cover in aspects, but yeah, just a lot of sort of the good stuff from before makes its way here. We see more of the committee. Um, there's a setup of a whole nother plot point around the, uh, werewolf by night universe. And, um, we see something big changing for Moon Knight. So yeah, just sort of when, when looking at these two issues that you can all just sort of really just clump them together as some nice sort of story yeah and and obviously uh, by having munch and perlin uh on the reins again yeah uh, it's very 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 consistent all the way through uh and uh how about we go well actually can i just uh, I'll, I'll raise one of my first aspects by all thought, means. Um, and no wait no yeah. mine first get out of here with that robert <laughs> <laughs> no but um just off the back of what you mentioned in the previous issue I thought this issue had action aplenty. I thought it was really cool to see, like, we weren't, um, you, you know, as you mentioned before about it being, you know, there's a lot of text and a lot of dialogue, but um, but Munch allows for a lot of uh, a lot of action here, so we get a, a quite a thrilling, uh, you know, thrilling escape from the police first off, um, shooting at Moon Knight uh, as he as he dangles away on the on his rope ladder. You see them uh, falling from the ladder when when Werewolf awakes and having a massive battle on the pier and 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 in the water, which is pretty cool. And, and then, of course, um, finally you have uh, the big showdown at the committee's uh, headquarters or or secret hideout or whatever it is. Uh, and Moon Knight kind of you know changing his tune, um, and he and Werewolf teaming up to basically defeat the committee so a lot of action here which um which i really enjoyed um and i felt although i mean there was action in in 32 as well but i i felt this had a lot more at stake yeah uh um sorry lost my train of thought there entirely no uh yeah i think really sort of um leaning it on perlman's art and just a great little action issue was sort of the kind of what sort of this made this issue so great. You know, there was the nice story set up in the previous issue and now there's a lot of fun comic book fisticuffs and yeah, really, I think, yeah, Don Perlman really, really doing great work here. Uh, I think a lot of his background stuff as well. We always talk about the background. Yeah. So he really doesn't leave much out in, in this cool sort of industrial complex with bars and lights aplenty. Uh, uh, great water effects, actually. Some really fun lighting effects by... um. Colorist George um, Russos. George Russos. Yeah. Russos. Yeah. 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 I, I, th- I, th- I thought it was actually a lot of fun to read, and like I said, you know, the art really carries this, and I feel like Munch actually. I mean, you don't know how much they did, but there, there was obviously a, a, a decent or great amount of teamwork between these two to plot such a a fun and interesting action epic. <laughs> Mm. It, 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 as well, um, as you mentioned, I think uh, added to Perlman's, um, uh, you know, merits. He's also great perspectives as well. I'm looking at, um, you know, per- just perspectives of, of panels. Um, so uh, there's even that that secondary plot where um, where Coca is talking about uh, about basically zombies. Uh, what what's up ahead? You can just tell is that there there's going to be a zombie issue because um it's all centered around uh these resurrected 
relatives. But anyway, there's some really nice angles that he, he draws in. And uh, when Moon Knight and Werewolf um, fight underwater and, and they fall off the uh, the ladder... Highlight. Again, yeah, highlights. They're, they're really um, not only just conventional perspectives, but uh, he really plays around with it. So it really does give a dynamic effect. Um, yeah, so plenty of action. If we actually even go towards the end as well, if I look at... Um, the end was a bit of a brutal, um, a brutal fight, don't you think? Like um, mm. when I was reading it, you're thinking there's this werewolf, like a monster, um, basically ripping into um, what seems to be just normal suited businessmen, you know, albeit evil, and, and some of them have firearms, but they're they're by no means fighters, and um, and the werewolf and uh, and Moon Knight, who has his spike knuckles. Uh, start start whacking into them, so uh, it's quite a violent uh, a violent fight, but um, but quite uh, yeah high octane. Moon Knight obviously got his chops here when it came to brutally murdering everyone with a bunch of werewolves, as we covered last week. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a very sort of he was definitely a mercenary here more than anything. He didn't really care about being the hero, and no. I mean, I wonder, like, he pulls up Werewolf um, from the water, uh, and he claims, look, you know, I've, I've got to bring you alive to get my money. Uh, I wonder if that was a hint of heroism as well, um, with him not wanting Werewolf to die. Uh, and also towards the end, we, we do get a, a, a you know, um, a change of character. Uh, <laughs> I was just, just thinking that's one of my next aspects. But anyway, let's go on to one of yours, Connor. Ooh, yes, indeed. I shall decide. Yeah, let's just quickly talk about the committee. They're they're very much a a super duper evil organization here. It's a you see you see the reveal of um that um I feel like they're pretty existing villains wanting to use um the werewolf as their weapon, and the big turning point is them deciding just to kill everyone. Um, there's not much to say about them. They're fairly sort of one dimensional villains, but it's a fun little point for the story, which I feel will be your next uh, plot point as uh, plot point aspect as well. Aspect, yeah, yeah. All fat which businessmen, was, uh, which make them a, a nice little a nice little bunch to kill off. <laughs> Everyone hated <laughs> yeah, them. That's right. In the seventies, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Anyone with a suit and a you know and a tie, you know, just evil. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the committee uh, obviously shown here, and and they they let slip. You know what their nefarious, uh, um, you know, motive was to get werewolf, which was, um, you know, surprise, surprise, to use him as a weapon. Uh, not, not really a well thought out plan, I think, <laughs> from the committee, uh, trying to get a an uncontrollable animal. I mean, what were were they hoping to to dog train him, <laughs> or, or maybe you Shock know, or, or put a mic? Yeah, I mean, how were they going to control him, like? It seemed like they were only thinking one step ahead, uh, like one step at a time. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, and that kind of goes on to again. Um, I took a chunky aspect here, uh, which was basically yeah the turning around of of Moon Knight. He um, he kind of sees the the, I guess the innocence and the nobility of Jack Russell, and he, towards the end, he um, he gets his money. Because the the committee wait until the full moon to see Jack Russell turn into a werewolf, and he gets paid, uh, but then he all of a sudden has a change of heart, and says, "Look, you dudes, if you're going to use him as a weapon, uh, he's he's a nice bloke, um, but 
you know, I'm not going to stand for this. And uh, so he basically, he lets loose a beast, which is Jack Russell, and uh, they they go at it with, at the committee. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this is good. I think this must have been an obvious response, um, kind of to the fans probably wanting more of Moon Knight. Um, so Munch, I'm imagining, decided to write you know, write him in quickly. How do we how do we spin him around? Because uh, I, I I'm pretty sure they had mapped out uh, what the story would be, but but for me I I'm assuming maybe they had to kind of change it um, last minute to due to the popularity of Moon Knight. Would, did do you see that kind of happening there? Maybe I I feel like these stories have to be put. I think they have to. Be, I think they do have to be put out like three months before they go to print or something. Oh, okay. Okay, like, so yeah. maybe not. Yeah, I feel like this may have been more just a, a uh, just sort of what he had planned, and it it it, it it's kind of cool how the sense it makes that um, you know, he seems to be just fighting a villainous werewolf for money, not that he really cares about morality, and then when it's revealed, he's going to kill everyone in the building. It's like, oh yeah, maybe not. I'm just gonna. Yeah, <laughs> I do like. The I mean, other. it certainly. Yeah. yeah, it certainly doesn't. It, it certainly doesn't. Um, doesn't feel like. Uh, Munch has done a complete 180 and and decided to just change the ending there. I guess so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um it is interesting because he he did become quite a popular character. So uh, it's it's very good in uh, very good um, kind of foresight, I guess, by by Munch and uh, and Marvel in general. Yeah, I like I do like the uh, change and just the final shot of um the very cheekily written and very different written um, <laughs> Moon Knight back then is uh, sitting on top of the building waving his cat yeah. as he suits a salute to werewolf <laughs> goodbye. I like that. And I think actually, you know, some of that cheek was kept, you know, uh, Munch changed the character a lot and obviously for the better of the amazing runs we've experienced since then. But I do like, you know, he was all quips here, but there's still plenty of times Moon Knight keeps this sort of, this sort of train going and it, yeah. Yeah, that's really it. I really like that final panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that is good, and it's um, it's interesting though. Here again, we're looking at the first appearance, say, of Moon Knight, and and the development of him. There's no mention at all yet of his personalities or no, anything yeah. like that. It's very much a mercenary um, angle, and it, it's one that Marvel returned to with um with Mark Spector, Moon Knight. In uh, we discussed previously as well how Chuck Dixon uh, was actually t- um, directed to or instructed to forget about the the multiple personalities that Moon Knight had and just concentrate on his mercenary background uh, this is pretty much this is pretty much it from Munch um, just just a mercenary who is very skillful has some gadgets um, but there's yeah there's nothing um, that hints towards the, the greater complexities that he has when he has um, Conchu, uh, the, the the whole Egyptian history to him, or um, or his Jake Lockley persona and Stephen Grant persona. Um, so yeah, that that's still yet to come. Um, and for uh, and for notes here, Connor, uh, I've only got a few here. I thought um, what was interesting, and again maybe a sign of the times. Uh, Moon Knight had no problem in killing. Um, Nope. <laughs> the, the committee members, and it pretty, I'm pretty sure he did, because uh, what does he do? He um, he he basically throws the lead guy to the werewolf, and uh, basically assists in in him the werewolf killing the guy, because it says uh, Fatso hit the floor like rubberized jello, and when the quivering stopped, 
it was just the two of us. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I guess you can argue that's poetic. Uh, it's a very poetic way that Munch has written uh, the death of the committee member leader. Um, so, yeah, no problem in killing. And uh, Werewolf obviously has no problem in killing as well. So, uh, death was uh, a lot more, um, was seen a lot more, uh, uh, less um, than, it, than it has uh, these days. Um, also, as well, I thought the um, 500 feet fall from the helicopter. Now, come come on, like I think they should do this on MythBusters or something, Connor. <laughs> you would die, you wouldn't yeah, you? 100%. I mean, surely. If that, especially yeah, that, if that's be just lot. like sort of silver and nothing cushioning and some sort of super tech suit. Oh, for He's sure. Gone. It'd be like hitting concrete. Yeah. So, um, mm, so they they I fear they would have splat unless they actually um, did a 10 point dive and uh, managed to. To pierce the surface without much uh, without much worry. Uh, also, as well. Uh, uh, oh yeah, um, this is kind of previewing a bit later down the track, Connor, and um, uh, the later issues and the next appearances of Moon Knight. We'll see uh, a slow development and a gradual growth of the character. But um, at the moment, Moon Knight is again. Um, I guess we'll just emphasise he's just a normal guy that happens to have a lot of war experience and military experience. Um, he's by no means super in any way, um, but we do learn later on uh, in the subsequent issues that uh, he, he gains extra strength from the moon. So And, and, uh, and apparently, uh, it's not shown on these issues, but apparently during this, this time, uh, during their struggles, he was bitten by the werewolf, and the saliva actually had given Moon Knight enhanced strength and endurance. Um, so we can see later on that Munch starts to play around with Moon Knight a bit more, tries to kind of, hmm, how do I make him, you know, a bit more interesting than just a guy in a suit? Um, but at the moment, yeah, he's just a, a normal, a normal uh, merc. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, any, any, any other notes, possibly, Connor? Um... Yeah, actually, just my final aspect. I forgot to bring it up. Entirely. Oh, did you? I thought. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's just a. It's actually just a pretty quick one, but it just sort of points out that you know this is the first appearance of Moon Knight as someone that I think Munch wrote to not be that important, but as just a cool villain to remember before he became our favorite hero. Um, that you know Moon Knight may salute, and it seems like their paths may cross again, but one they don't for the rest of this run. And also, like, a fourth of this issue is just setting up a whole arc entirely. And Moon Knight just kind of says goodbye. So, yeah, it's just kind of sort of funny to see to see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, again, like, it, it is a Werewolf by Night comic, so um, they have... Uh, Munch has duties to, to keep uh, future plots trickling over, so a lot of it was taken up with the, um, the Raymond Coker subplot... Um, and and the setup for the Zovembis, which are which are zombies, uh, <laughs> Haitian zombies, and uh, they make mention of Jericho Drum, so um, Brother Voodoo, which is pretty cool. Um, so I imagine he gets a, a guest spot um, in the later Werewolf by Night comic issues. But um, having said that, Connor, as we move on to Crescent Art ratings, uh, how did you see this issue unfold? I would say, yeah, just sort of the same thing, you know. I like I like the way this issue took it. I like um, Moon Knight's turn. That didn't feel totally unbelievable and sort of fun. Um, 
and it was really just sort of a fun issue. I think the less focus on big exposition heavy text and the focus on Moon Knight quipping as the great art carries Russell and Moon Knight fighting and then Russell and Moon Knight fighting everyone sort of pushes this issue up as to a possibly a more fun three out of five. I'd probably say more two point seven five out of out mm-hmm, of three. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, I think Okay. Yeah, think uh yeah, two point seven out of five, right? Yeah, sorry. Did I say ten? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you said three. Oh. I was like, oh, that's pretty high. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty high. Oh, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like you as well. I think I would give it. I would bump it up just a little bit more. I I did enjoy this a little bit more than the previous one, only because we start to see the the heroics of Moon Knight, I guess. Uh, and and like I mentioned, um, I really did enjoy the action scenes. I'd give it like um, I'd go into decimal. I'll go three point. 3.1 or 3.2, <laughs> just a little bit more than yeah, uh, yeah than what I thought, um, because much like I think the previous issue, uh, it had all all the same traits. Um, but like I said, it was good to see a lot more action and uh, yeah, and Moon Knight starting to turn his way around. Um, so yeah, so loonies, those are the first two issues of the very first appearance of Moon Knight. Um, before we go into the next phase, Connor, we had something hot off the press. Yes, yes, yes. Um, as we were talking about the appearance of a hero in The Punisher, there is now an article up by CBR called uh, Did the Punisher Introduce Another Marvel Hero? It's complete spoilers for this. Well, not complete spoilers, but does sort of give away the spoiler of whether it's there or not. I will not say whether you finished the series or not, or maybe just want to know. I did. I'm not going to lie. I discovered the truth. Oh, you, <laughs> you had a look? Yeah, I did. Okay. But I'll leave that in the description to check out for any loonies wanting to know. So, yeah. Hot off the press. And by that, I mean, it was actually 12 hours ago. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, close enough. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, yep. So, as always, we'll have all the stuff um, for your reading pleasure on our uh, on our blog. Uh, next phase, we will go, um, we're still going to continue, um, with, with, uh, the two issues, Connor, I think, um, just at the classic run, uh, and then I guess we'll just have to discuss, we'll have to put our collective Moon Knight minds together and, um, yeah, and just try to finalize one of the recent runs that we want to do. Um, but, uh, but next phase we have, uh, Marvel Spotlight, Volume 1, number 28, the Crushing Conquer Lord, and uh, Marvel Spotlight Volume One Twenty Nine, which is Part Two, um, called the Deadly Gambit of Conquer Lord. Uh, now I've read these Connor just recently, and uh, I'm all I can say is I'm a little speechless with it. Um, so I can't it's wait terrifying. to review this with you. <laughs> yeah. Is that I good or bad, rev- Ray? Is that good or bad? Oh, oh, look, I'll leave it to the well, loonies. <laughs> have a have a reread of it, um, and uh, just have that in your mind. Uh, I'll be. I can't wait to to review this with Connor. Uh, we'll again have uh, another guest. Uh, we'll have a, a guest narrator for this, um, which will be rather exciting as well but uh, those are the two issues that we'll be covering for the next episode episode 17 and I think solicitations next week for the next for the look at issue 5 of our new Moon Knight run 
Oh, that's, that'll be fantastic. Uh, we've got to keep a close eye on Twitter as well, Connor, mm. for any preview pages that they might drop. Um, oh, yeah, that's the as, week after, mm. the next issue. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, which which will be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got that one-page uh, preview, which looks pretty cool. Uh, Connor, I'll throw it to you for Spectacle. Uh, we actually had a couple of comments. So, yes, after the crazy great issue last week of 188, you better believe that plenty of uh, loonies and listeners of the show had a lot to say. And as one loony came to us, had something rather cool that none uh, none of us picked up on, and uh, maybe something uh, that Bemis very much intended to do. So an email from Paul Harmon read, Not sure if you guys picked up on this, but you didn't go over it in your newest review, so I figured I'd mention it. Bemis' quotas is saying he wanted to make the newest nemesis Moon Knight opposite in every way. This applies to obvious things, Sun versus Moon, Ra versus Conchu, a King versus Knight, etc. But also to a very subtle detail, I think. If you look closely, Patient 86 has a scar on the right side of his lip. You can't see it beneath his beard, but in his military picture, as well as a uh, projections of his military and teenage self, the scar seems to be counterpoint to the scar on Mark's left eyebrow that he got from Bushman, this, the way varying by Ryder. But the, ch uh, the child projection didn't have the scar. Perhaps the scar is indicated of some incident, how he got his powers, or maybe it's simply a sign of abuse. Either way, I was, it was worth noting. P.S. I don't think Patient 86 is the truth. That's another character. Patient 86 will probably be the Sun King. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Paul. That was, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a nice... That's what I love about um, uh, sharing these things, I guess, with, with loonies and fellow fans, is that you get you get different sets of eyes looking at things, and uh, certainly didn't pick this up, Connor, about the scar, but I, I really think that's a, a nice little detail. Yeah, for sure. And uh, looking back at the issue, I definitely think that was very much... I I think I would go far as to say that was that was a choice made because you can act, uh, and you see his production. It is, it's not super visible, but it is about as visible as Mark's own scar on his um. Yeah. His on his eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great pickup. So um, thank you so much, Paul, uh, for sending that in. Uh, and uh, yeah, his little PS as well about patient eighty six. Uh, I I responded to Paul as well, and and uh, just uh, I guess um, reiterating what. Rebecca had speculated on about the truth and uh, how in Hebrew uh, the truth is Emmet. Uh, how I think that yeah, Doctor Emmet will become the truth. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's a lot more um, plausible now. Like considering that you know no spoilers at the end of 188, she um, she gets burnt to a crisp uh, but still survives. Uh, yeah. Um, very exciting stuff, but thank you so much, Paul. Uh, and any other loonies, please, um, of course, just send in your emails if you want, uh, and we'll read them out. We certainly love picking up on uh, these details that we haven't before. For sure. And our uh, we got another one from um, Matt from our chat room, The Loony Bin, which you can find by going to our Facebook group, uh, which is something all right da, 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 vampire for time uh facebook.com yeah. slash group slash into the night um he said get out of there um finished moon knight hasn't been in a better in a better more primed for rock solid creative arc since 2006 to 2007 this is this like remit like lemire's run is exactly what was needed I totally agree with you Matt um, and uh, I remember this one and I, I put this one in because um, I think Matt was uh, uh, 
he read it a little later than the rest of us. So it's good to see that he wasn't spoiled with anything. And uh, yeah, he, he shares the same sentiments that we all share for, for what looks to be an exciting Bemis run. For sure. And I hope uh, everyone listening is following along. And um, feel free to write in your reviews or comments, or if you want us to read them out on the show, we'll have your own little points to point out, like, um, like uh, Paul, Mr. Harmon. Uh, yeah, by all Mr. means. Mr. Harmon. Uh, send in <laughs> Facebook page, emails, however you may find us. Exactly. We're, um, we're spreading our, uh, you know, um, we're spreading like a plague <laughs> over the <laughs> internet. So, so uh, yeah, just, just search for Into the Night and I'm sure we'll pop up. Uh, thank you once again, Loonies, for hanging around with us uh, and to go through what is, you know, the first couple of issues, uh, the first appearance of Moon Knight. So it's a beginning... Beginning of a long journey, I feel, Connor. Uh, we've got, uh, I believe I looked up in one of the websites, I think uh, Moon Knight equals uh, something like 300 and 330 or 340 appearances in comic book issues. Ooh. So that's 340 issues we're going to have to get through, <laughs> you know, all, albeit some of the ones that we've already reviewed. But uh, yeah, yeah, excellent stuff. Um, yeah, if there's, uh, unless there's anything else, Connor... Um, I reckon we can sign off. Yes, I will hopefully... Um, I'll be away basically all of next week before I come back on the Sunday to record next episode. But I am picking up my Funko Pops when I return. So we will, oh, awesome. in the next coming episodes, dedicate a little figure episode or something akin. Yeah, oh, and we, we shouldn't forget as well, Connor. We, we have to... Um, we'll have to fit in a Bushman spotlight somewhere. Yes, so, yes definitely. Especially as we're going back through... Uh, Moon Knight's history, we should definitely start it off on the right foot with a look at his biggest um, antagonist so far, who sees what the future brings for uh, the Sun King. Mm. Righty, well, uh, thanks a lot, Loonies, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thank you all. Coming uh, by, as always, and may Conchie watch over the denizens of the night. Oh, also, I mean, I would, totally would have been fine if Moon Knight kept his little cape attached to his hands. It's kind of cute. I like the look. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. See you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.